This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Winnie Dunphy. Now, this State of the Union address to both houses of Congress is a tradition that America honors once every year, usually early in the year. It is usually an occasion when partisanship is maybe not suspended, but at least the leader or the president is heard with a degree of respect and Last Tuesday, President Joe Biden delivered his address to both houses of Congress in the presence of, it should be said, the stepfather and the mother of Tyree Nichols, a young black man who was beaten to death by five black police officers recently. And Biden's speech, of course, has a context. He's low in the polls. There is much speculation about whether he'll run for the 2024 presidential election. To discuss it all, we're joined from Washington now by Niall Stanich, associate editor of The Hill newspaper and White House columnist for The Hill. Niall, as I pointed out there in my introduction, it's usual to, at worst, be silent. But what we saw, this was rowdy. Raucous, I think, is a word you described in a piece you wrote about it, an entirely partisan occasion, complete with heckling and booing. Yeah, it was a very bitter and raucous atmosphere. And as you say, that is unusual at State of the Union addresses. There was an occasion, it wasn't an official State of the Union, way back in 2009 when a Republican shouted, you lie, at then President Obama, when Obama was delivering a, a, a comparable address to both chambers of Congress. And at the time, that was a huge deal, and there was all sorts of comment about incivility and all of that. Rightly so, I might add. Uh, but on Tuesday night at the State of the Union, there was n- numerous instances of Biden being heckled by uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, heckling him repeatedly. And another, uh, a male Republican lawmaker, shouting very audibly to the TV uh, cameras that uh, the deaths from the opioid epidemic here, from the use and abuse of fentanyl, were Biden's fault, uh, sort of screaming that atom. That, of course, caused some consternation, but it was emblematic of what was, as you say, a, a hyper-partisan occasion. 
Yes, and once should say to emphasize the bipartisanship, Kevin McCarthy, as Speaker of the House of Representatives, sits alongside and just behind the President of today, President Biden in this instance, and the Vice President Kamala Harris sits on the President's right. They are the three people that would, if anything happens to Biden, Kamala Harris is the President. If something happens to both Kamala Harris and Biden, our old friend Kevin will be President of the United States. So, I mean, that group of people even, and McCarthy had promised that it would be listened to respectfully Biden's speech. It wasn't. Is it a sign of two things, Niall? One is the bitter division between the Democrats of today and the Republicans of today. And the other thing it might be significant is indicating that some of these Republicans don't respect anything. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it's actually, in some ways, more specific than that second point, which is that the culture of American politics now, on both sides, but more so on the right, actually often rewards incivility and rewards anger and rewards outrage. So some of the people who we have mentioned on the podcast as representing that extreme Trumpy hard line, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, a number of others in that camp, are actually among the best-known Republican uh, Congress members of their day, even though yes. the two people I've mentioned are very uh, early in their congressional careers. And they can raise money with great ease, and they get invited on cable news shows repeatedly in a way that is just not the case. If you're some, you know, fairly low-key Republican lawmaker from the Midwest and what you're interested in is improving the roads and bridges. You don't have any of the celebrity or the money or the acclaim that these uh, bomb throwers really receive. Uh, There's some replication of that on the left, for sure, but I think it is more pronounced on the right. Yeah, and Fox News, the coarseness, should we say, of Mm. Fox News and the way it considers itself to be you know, an active participant and an essential participant for Trump, for example, that makes matters worse. And the media has a function here, doesn't it? The same Mm -hmm. sort of stuff is happening in England. Yeah, I I mean, I'm watching with interest some of the stuff you're alluding to in England, which I think is very reflective of what has already happened here in the United States, where uh, TV outlets in particular are often driven by a very clear Uh, ideological purpose. And, you know, one thing I would mention in the context of Fox News, and this is a more recent development, is that Fox News is also now in the business of defending its right flank, for want of a better term, against a couple of admittedly much smaller stations that are even more uh, hardline in their uh, conservatism and in sometimes their slavish support and propagandistic support for Trump. So there are business decisions made there about how you preserve an audience that is predominantly conservative. And, uh, you know, clearly that feeds into this whole picture as well. Yeah, and in London this week, Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, appointed as Vice Chair of the Tory party, a man who is from what's called a red wall seat, which would be 
the equivalent mm. of the new right in America, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example. Mm. A lot of these guys are from former Labour seats, which they've won by, well, the failure of the Labour Party, one has to say. Mm -hmm. However, his first thing on being appointed to the position of deputy chair was to call for the restoration of the death penalty, mm. which is would be kind of funny if it wasn't so telling. Sure, sure, no, absolutely. And, and you know, you do see a lot of comparable things going on here. In fact, not to go down too much of a tangent in the comparisons to Britain, but I was very struck. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Trump's former press secretary, delivered the official Republican response to Biden. Uh, Huckabee Sanders is now the governor of Arkansas. And she went all in in this idea about so-called wokeness and the culture wars and all of that. Yes. It was very reminiscent, if you wanted to draw the comparison with Britain. You and I are both of an age, and to remember way before Jeremy Corbyn, the attacks on the British Labour Party in the 1980s and the so-called loony left, as the yes. popular press described it. What Sarah Huckabee Sanders was doing was almost a replica of those attacks on the so-called loony left, something that I, I should add doesn't necessarily make them ineffective. I mean, those attacks in Britain in the 80s were very effective, and I think there's some effectiveness to Republican culture war attacks right now here. Now, Biden's position, what did he have to report that was positive? Because I noted the number of initiatives he's taken in his two years as president, mm -hmm. and of course, they include support for Ukraine also the galvanization of NATO into a kind of solid and cohesive political force now. He has also spent significantly, and from a sort of liberal democratic point of view, wisely. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there are a number of things that Biden can point to that were achieved while he had unified control of Congress. One of the biggest ones is an infrastructure spending bill, a trillion dollars to uh, try to improve what is often rather decrepit infrastructure in the United States, given the overall wealth of the country. There are a number of other things you can point to, like, for example, expanding health care to cover um, military veterans, former members of the military who are suffering terrible uh, health ailments, often as a result to exposure to toxic chemicals in the war in Iraq in particular. Um, there are uh, obviously the, mo the more recent uh, so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which was really a much broader uh, measure <clears throat> that includes, for example, action on climate change. And the other thing, Eamon, that I think is a sort of overarching thing is the economy and the fact that Biden does have genuine achievements to point to specifically in the area of job creation, but he is having real difficulty in getting traction with that argument because inflation here continues to be a very serious problem, even though it has faded uh, somewhat from what it was five or six months ago. Yeah, and that brings us back to the old maxim of Bill Clinton, it's the economy stupid, mm. and that is what Biden has to try to fix in the next two years. In the piece you wrote about the State of the Union speech, you talk about the Social Security mm. and Medicare. You call it a trap that the Republicans walked into. Mm. The health thing belongs to the Biden 
Obama administration, doesn't it? Medicare and the reform of, to some extent, of Medicare. Yeah, I mean, this this takes a little bit of explanation to your non-American audience. I'll try and be as uh, succinct as I can. Medicare was first formed about a generation ago, and it's the program, well, more than a generation ago, under Lyndon Johnson in the 60s. And it basically provides health care to older people, people who have typically retired from work. Now, there have been all sorts of reforms made to it over the years. Social security is in effect, what you would call the state pension in Ireland or in Britain. Now, the problem is that those programs were drawn up at a time, frankly, when people died much younger. And so as life expectancy has lengthened, the cost of those programs has spiraled massively. So now you have Republicans, some Republicans who want to cut those programs and others who don't want to do that because cutting them would be so politically unpopular, just as doing something to pensions or to healthcare in Ireland or many other places would also be unpopular. So essentially, Biden drew attention to the fact that some Republicans do indeed want to uh, cut those programs. That caused sort of uproar in the chamber because Republicans believe that is mischaracterizing the majority of their position. But then Biden used the uproar to basically say, oh, so you don't agree with cutting these programs. Oh, well, that's good. And and now he has them on the record record, in a very dramatic setting, seeming to say that indeed they agreed that those programs should not be cut. Now, he went subsequently to Florida yesterday, I believe it was, or the day before, Mm -hmm. after his State of Union address. And he Interesting, his two putative Republican candidates or opposition to him, if he decides to run, are there, DeSantis, of course, and Donald Trump. Mm. And this is a state with a large elderly population. He also talked about one Republican senator, Rick Scott, who has the idea that all federal legislation should have to be looked at every five years or else it lapses. Mm-hmm. It's a, known as a sunset clause, and it applies in many walks of life. But this is a deadly threat, isn't it? If it has to be reviewed every five years, what security have people got? Yes, exactly. You would uh, hollow out or erode the social Uh, safety net here to an even greater extent. And of course, the social safety net in the United States has always, I would argue, been much more precarious than it has been in most Western European countries. And I know that there are plenty of problems in Europe with those issues as well. But uh, Rick Scott put out this plan um, early last year, and it called, among other things, for every single thing that is part of federal law to be up for reauthorization, as you say, every five years. Now, all you would need would be some sort of partisan roadblock or some situation where the more uh, nihilistic kind of members just refuse to vote for something. And you would have things that people do genuinely depend upon as a literal and material lifeline in great danger. Now, one of that was such a 
a sort of politically suicidal proposal to put forward that Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate, came out almost immediately and uh, rebutted it or said that that wouldn't be part of his platform. But Rick Scott is not a a minor figure. I mean, not only is he the senator for a major state in, in Florida, but he is also the, or was also at the time, the leader of the campaign arm of Senate Republicans. So he's not just some uh, complete crank. Yes. His position clearly has some support among some Republicans, for sure. Now, the visit to Florida by Joe Biden immediately after his State of the Union address, and whilst there is so much speculation as to whether or not he will run in 2024, surely has some significance. Mm. Yes, I think it. I think it does. I think it is interesting that he is, uh, by merely going to Florida, uh, taking aim at a sense that Ron DeSantis, obviously Trump, as you say, is resident in Florida at Mar-a-Lago. There is increasing uh, assurance that Biden himself is going to run for a second term. I don't think anyone seriously doubts that at this point. Having said that. The man is 80 years old. He would be 82 by the time of his second inauguration and therefore 86 by the time he finished his second term. He already, as you and I have spoken about on previous occasions, Eamon, appears at times uh, old and uh, a bit uh, meandering. And so all of these things are issues, but certainly his mere presence in Florida taking the fight to both DeSantis and Trump. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now, the rebuttal, which is allowed to the party not in power after the State of the Union speech, was given to somebody we should know, or our listeners should know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She was the White House press secretary for much of the four-year Trump presidency for probably the three, four years, certainly through the COVID period of it. She was aggressive and she seemed to suit Donald Trump, subsequently elected as governor of Arkansas. What did she have to say? Was it sort of notable for aggression and the kind of Trumpism that we come to expect? So broadly, yes, with one interesting caveat that I'll come to in a second. But yes, it was very aggressive. I mean, we were just talking just now, Eamon, about Biden and his age. I mean, Huckabee Sanders went directly at that, talked about Biden being the oldest president in American history, but then went on to say that he was unfit to serve as commander-in-chief, which is a a pretty direct charge. She also made a, a, a huge deal of many of these uh, cultural issues around, for example, education, uh, the teaching of uh, black history or the teaching of sexuality or the teaching of lesbian and gay rights, which have become very, very divisive issues in this country and which Republicans believe they have made work to their political benefit. The the important or intriguing uh, caveat, I thought, given that uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders really made her name as Trump's press secretary, was that on no fewer than four occasions, she used some variation of the phrase that a new generation of leaders were needed by the Republican Party. She herself is youthful by political terms. She's 40 years old. Uh, Trump, of course, is 76 and is seeking the nomination of his party for the third time. So in that context, Sarah Huckabee Sanders putting such emphasis on the need for a new generation certainly raised a few eyebrows, no question about that. Now, another eyebrow raiser was the balloon Mm. (laughs) that was floating around Mm -hmm. over the United States for several days, apparently. It was a Chinese balloon, and eventually the Americans took it out over the sea. Mm -hmm. And the reason they were seriously and heavily criticized by Republicans for not taking it out earlier because it was clearly gathering intelligence. But the Biden administration said that they didn't want to take it out over land in case people on the ground got hurt. So they took it out over the sea. He was criticized also for that, strongly criticized. Do we know any more about the maloon? Have we found out what was in it? Well, (laughs) other than hot air. (laughs) Well, we know that to some extent, I mean, of course, we're reliant upon what the American military and intelligence services tell us, which is never the most comfortable position to be in. But we know that, of course, it was a surveillance balloon. There was some equipment on it that would enable surveillance. We should perhaps say that China has spy satellites up all the time, as does the US in reverse. 
but yep. clearly closer to the Earth's surface and able to scrutinize things more closely. The U.S. have recovered much of the debris of the balloon from off the coast of the Carolinas. Um, this, j- just to give people a proper sense of this, this scale of this balloon was about the size of three buses. And when they brought it down, um, the debris field was between six and seven miles wide in the sea. So that, I think, does speak to legitimate concerns about what would or could have happened had they brought it down over land, the dangers of just injuring or worse, some random bystander. And we have learned more, I think, about a program that China has to deploy these balloons in various places around the world to help its uh, intelligence capabilities. And there have been some suggestions uh, specific to the US that the balloon that was brought down was uh, programmed or navigated specifically to go and essentially have a look at American military bases and military installations gathering intelligence in case there should at some point in the future be an open and armed conflict. Now, we don't want to be too, uh, you know, um, sensationalist about it. I don't think that no, they're about I, to go, go to war next week, but it's still an ominous sign. Yeah, well, it's a kind of, yeah, that they've been doing that, the Chinese elsewhere, and not least mm. over the Taiwan Straits. For sure. Let me ask you about Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. News broke yesterday that a special prosecutor mm-hmm or I think it's the man who's investigating Trump, Jack Smith, mm-hmm. is now investigating Mike Pence. Is that true? And has there been any development on that story? Because Pence appears to have acted decently and with a, more than a modicum of courage on the January 6th matter. Yeah, I mean, firstly, I would agree with that characterization of Pence's behavior. What we know is that he has been subpoenaed by the special counsel. Now, You could split hairs about whether that means Pence himself has been investigated. It may be that the special counsel is trying to secure testimony or indeed documentation from Pence that would be damning of Trump or Trump's allies. But when news broke of this development, it was uh, a major news because most of the attention to this special counsel, Jack Smith, has been focused on the probe into the classified documents found at Mar-a-Lago. January the 6th, it's not that it faded as a story, it's a massively historically significant story, but after the separate congressional committee had wrapped up its work, that had faded slightly from the headlines. This news of the subpoena to Mike Pence uh, obviously raises that back up into the spotlight and is uh, an intriguing development, at least. Just a final question about where America's headed. Given that the Democrats may be forced almost to run Joe Biden in 2024 because he represents something, and he does. I mean, he represents decency, the support for Ukraine, for example, the galvanizing of NATO close association with Europe, all of the things that the Trump people and people on the right, perhaps DeSantis and others, disruptors, who'd want to be isolationists and say, that's not our problem, we're the United States of America. Is that the way it's drifting? Mm. And is, is this is perhaps 
unfair to ask you to summarize this, but is Joe Biden the last best bet the Democrats will ever make? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think how to even begin to answer. No, that's that's answer. unfair. I'll give you a week, a week to think about it. Let me ask you this, the, the same question another way. Sure. He's underwater with the polls, he is. isn't he? Tell he is. us how bad it is in polling. Well, he's about 10 points underwater in polls. His approval rating has been in negative territory for well over a year. It actually went into negative territory about the time of the chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan. The problem, and, and this gets to your bigger question, really, Eamon, um, in, a, in a way, Biden's biggest asset um, in terms of the Democratic Party is the lack of credible alternatives to him. Uh, coupled with the fact that he has often been underestimated. I mean, in the 2020 nomination battle, he was completely written yes. off at one stage before coming back to, to win it. Now, there is certainly a broader trajectory of American politics and American life to a very hyper-polarized state where, you know, supporters of each party can't really bear each other. It goes way beyond disagreement yes. on the facts. Whether Biden can sort of stitch that fabric back together, I think is highly questionable, even though there were hopes of that at the start of his presidency. But it gets, he often uh, cites an expression from his late father, which is, um, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. And right. when you compare him to the alternative, he fares better than when you compare him to some uh, perfect ideal that doesn't really exist in American politics right now. Okay, Niall, we're very grateful to you for joining us. Niall Stanage, Associate Editor of The Hill and White House columnist for that newspaper. We're grateful to Niall. To all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more.